Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. I'd like to talk about leaders and authorities. Why do we need people to tell us what to do? Is it God's plan or is it a perversion of God's plan that we have leaders and authorities? You probably know the verses in the Bible that say, that all authorities are appointed by God, Romans chapter 13. But what does that mean? Does that mean that an evil dictator was put there by God? Or does it mean that God just created the position and then evil people have filled that position? What does it mean and how does it affect us? I want to make a bold statement at the start of this series on leaders and authorities. Today we're going to look at kings or government rulers, and then we're going to look at bosses, parents, church leaders, all the different areas of leadership. But the bold statement that I want to make is this. Your relationship with authority will affect your success and happiness on earth more than anything else in your life. And it will affect your eternal destination, heaven or hell. Your relationship with authority will affect your success and happiness here on earth more than anything else, and it will affect your eternal destination, heaven or hell. Why do I say that? Because God is a king. He calls himself a king, and he is in authority. And so our relationship with him is so important. It is the most important relationship you could ever work out in your life. How do I relate to this king who is God? And then secondly, authority affects every area of your life. From when you're a small child, you have parents telling you what to do. And we are testing the limits and the boundaries all the way through our childhood. We have teachers. We have different adults in authority over us. As we grow up, we've got to learn to negotiate with bosses and authorities. And then the the civic and government authorities And there are many other levels of authorities in our lives. And if we don't get it right, we are butting our heads against something our whole lives, or we are just a subservient doormat and we never really get into a place of success and happiness. But when we see God's idea for authority and how we are supposed to relate to authority and be in authority, because The whole of the Bible is training us for reigning. I don't know if you realize this, but the thousand years when Christ reigns on earth at the end of time, just before Judgment Day, he has his people, his believers reigning with him. We will reign with him. We are kings and priests, the Bible says. And so we are being trained for authority. And if we don't get it, we are swimming against the tide of what God is trying to do in our lives. So this will help you. You may have been in authority and you may have abused it or you may have been hurt by being in authority because people have criticized you. You may have been hurt by those who are in authority over you and who are supposed to be caring for you and watching out for you. In whatever case you find yourself, you have probably had a bad experience with authority. I want to say that there is healing. And when we get it right, when we understand God's perspective, it really does help us. So there are three reasons why we allow people to tell us what to do. Have you ever thought about this? You may be in the first category 
of people, the first reason, and that is the uninformed. That is where we just go with the flow. We assume everybody else feels it's okay for the government to tell us what to do or for bosses to tell us what to do. So we'll just go along like sheep with the flow. We'll just be uninformed. We'll, we, we won't even question it. We'll just go with what we're told to do. Who knows why the king or the government or the, the boss or the mayor or whoever it is, who knows why they, they can tell me what to do? Are they better than me? I don't know. I don't ask the questions. The first category of people are the uninformed. Go with the flow. It's always been done this way. Oh, well, it's just tradition. It's just the way things are. I'm one of the people who gets told what to do. They are the people who tell me what to do, maybe the ruling class or the elected class or the royalty or whatever, or maybe because they're older or more educated. Uh, who knows? Richer, more powerful. I'm uninformed and I just go with the flow. That's the first category. And in years and centuries gone by, that was considered a legitimate reason for authority, where people just said, well, we don't question why. We just go along and the ruling class tell us what to do. We can't resist it. We can't fight it. We can't understand it, but we go with it. You may be in that category. I want to disabuse you, to free you from that way of thinking today and say, you can think about it. You can question it. You can say, why does that person have the right to tell me what to do? First category is uninformed or go with the flow. Second category is forced or coerced, where a person with more money or more power. Uh, maybe they have the police on their side. Maybe they have a gun. Maybe they're bigger and stronger physically than you. Whatever it is, a person with more power or control forces you to do what they want you to do. And again, this used to be considered a legitimate reason for authority. In centuries gone by, the person with the power ruled and they told others what to do. And even today, we see it. We see that powerful people rise to positions of authority in countries, especially those where democracy does not exist. So I have lived in some countries where we've had all these different ways of doing things. And I've seen the breakdown of law and order in a country where those with the guns or with the money or with the con connections rule and reign and have their way. And usually it's by fear and by force. And sometimes that coercion is not overt. Sometimes they force you, but they use deception, manipulation, intimidation, uh, hints of threats. Maybe they use crowd opinion to say, well, we all think this. And so you must think the same as all of us. But all of those are still versions of control or coercion. And as I say, that used to be considered okay in past uh, times, kings and rulers just used force. They said, we're the ones with the swords or with more people, and so we will bash you into doing what we say. But in modern times, we have come to a new way of thinking. We come to the thinking of democracy and uh, the rule of the people. And that's the theory behind it. And this is the way the theory goes. This is the third reason for authority. And the modern considered legitimate way of exercising authority today. This is the way the thinking goes. It says we need somebody to make a decision because otherwise we're going to have chaos. 
So maybe in a schoolyard, the, these ideas come up all the way through life, but maybe you're in a schoolyard, a whole bunch of little kids are playing and everybody's doing what they feel is the right thing to do. And one of the children rises up and says, guys, we need some rules in this game. You're not allowed to go out of that line. You have to do this. You can't kick that way, whatever it is. And so somebody um, organizes us because otherwise there's just chaos if there's no organization. Or it may be in a company where there's several people working together for a common aim and they all seem to be on the same page. And then there's a disagreement of opinion and they realize we need somebody to make the final decision because otherwise we won't be able to move forward and we'll have to split up but together we can achieve more. And so we appoint somebody to be the ruler. And in countries, uh, many countries rejected the royal rule, the rule of a, of a God-appointed king. Um, and so they said, no, we're going to have democracy where the people decide who's going to rule them. They still realized they needed a ruler. They needed an authority to organize, to institute justice, to protect, to do all these different things. But they said, we, the people, are going to decide. And I'm sure you have seen that that system can also be abused, where even though it seems to be the rule of the people, in effect, there is coercion, there is manipulation, there is deception, there is intimidation, there is force. Uh, people use the, the cloak of democracy to, to further their own autocratic or dictator-like ideas, and so it can be abused. But that is the world's best version of how to have authority. We realize we need it because there's chaos without it. We need some system of rules, and so we get together and we elect people. And then if they're not doing what we'd hoped they would do, then we elect some more people in. And that system seems to be the best of a whole bunch of bad systems. Because the fourth reason for authority is God is supposed to be our king. God is supposed to be our king. And until Jesus comes back and rules and reigns, we will never have a good system of government or authority. No human being can do what only God can do. And the fact that we realize we need authority shows there is a God. We need a good king. But human beings fail again and again and again, and the human systems of authority keep failing. But now, let's look at what the Bible says about this. There was a story in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Up until now, Israel had had no king. They had had judges, which were just people who kind of rose through the ranks due to their own ability or charisma. But there was no appointed official king for many, many centuries in Israel. And in 1 Samuel chapter 8, all the elders of Israel gathered together, came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old, your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. They looked around and they saw kings in other nations. They said, we want to be like them. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. God wanted to be the king, but the people wanted a human king. And God said to Samuel, don't worry, you, you're the prophet or the, the leader, but they haven't rejected you. They're rejecting God. According to all the works which they have done since the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, 
with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now therefore heed their voice, however you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So God says, yes, I'll do it. It's not my first prize or my first plan, but I want to warn them of what kings can do. And he said, uh, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands, captains over his fifties, will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, bakers. He will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, your olive groves, and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. He will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men, your donkeys, put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep, and you will be his servants, and you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. You see, we want somebody who will rule over us, but we want him to do what we want, but we want him to defend us and we want him to make up for all the things that we have done wrong. And we want him to be like God who will protect us and provide for us. And that is the confusion of the human condition. We want God, but we don't want God. We want a king who's like God, but we don't really want him because then he doesn't do what we like and human beings fail. And so authority as it stands right now is a picture of our need for God of God being the good king and yet human beings struggling to work it out. Interestingly, in Deuteronomy 17, many years before, God had said to Moses to tell the people when they come to appoint a king, make sure they appoint a king that God has chosen. And then he gave a whole lot of instructions of how the king should act. So God knew that a king would come. He knew that because of human nature being fallen and broken, and because the position of king that God was supposed to hold, people had cut that relationship. God knew a king would eventually have to be made. He said, choose my choice and let them rule properly, but he knew it wouldn't work. And so here he warns them. And all the way through the Old Testament, we see king after king. There was David after Saul. Saul was a bad king. David was a good king. Absalom, David's son, tried to become king. Interestingly, those three kings represent three different ways of ruling. Whenever we see Saul, the first king mentioned, it says he had a spear in his hand. He ruled by intimidation. Whenever we see Absalom, David's son, who tried to be king, it said whenever uh, he saw people, he took them in his hand and he kissed them. He was trying to be deceptively democratic. But then we see David and it says he ruled with integrity of hand. He played musical instruments with his hand and he shepherded God's people. In other words, God was his shepherd, and he was passing on God's rule through himself. But even David was a poor king, and his son Solomon broke all the rules God had made about kings, about having lots of wives, uh, accumulating wealth, all the different things that God had said kings should not do. Then we have a period of kings uh, in the Bible, 33 bad kings, only five good kings. It's 
just a disaster. Again and again, it says he did evil in the sight of the Lord, this king. He, he wasn't a good king. He wasn't a good king. He wasn't a good king. There are a few examples of good kings, Josiah being the best. But then all the way through, we see them pointing forward to Jesus, the king, the Messiah. And when he comes, he demonstrates servant leadership. He, he washes his disciples' feet. He spends time with the poor and the needy and the sinners. Uh, he's an amazing example of God's heart and laying aside his majesty to serve people. He dies for humanity. And then we see at the end of the Bible, he comes back as the conquering king. And only at the end do we see righteous rule by a king who is appointed by God. And then there is judgment day and heaven. And that is God's plan. But I just want to mention a few points for us as believers to try and understand how are we supposed to deal with all of these different things. A couple of verses. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. Even though the idea of a human king is not quite God's best, he wants authority in place. And he wants it to, to be able to produce blessing and righteousness and peace. Listen to this verse in 1 Timothy 2. Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Okay, pray for all men. For kings and for all who are in authority. We must pray for kings and those in authority. Why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. So authority brings about peace and allows other things to flourish. When there's no authority in place, there's chaos and mayhem. But good authority brings about peace so that we may live in godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is the ultimate reason we have authority, that there's peace and order, but so that people can become saved. You know, when the Romans were ruling uh, over their empire, when Jesus was around in, in Bible times, the Romans were the rulers of a huge area of the world. And they instituted the peace of Rome, the Pax Romana. They, they brought about order and peace in the whole of the Roman Empire. And it was because of that and because of the organization of their empire that the gospel could spread so quickly. Now, they were not godly leaders. They didn't believe in God or Jesus. They didn't believe in the Bible. They had morals that were evil. They, they were happy to murder people. Sexual immorality of all different sorts was happening all over the place. They were actually against Jews and Christians. Claudius was the Roman uh, Caesar or governor or ruler up until 54 AD. And he persecuted the Romans and the Jews, uh, the Christians and the Jews out of Rome and sent them away. We read that in Acts chapter 18. And then Nero became the emperor after that. And he was a madman and he persecuted Christians. He would sew them up in animal skins and then throw them to wild animals so that they would get ripped apart. He would put them in wax clothing and then light them on top of poles so that they were the streetlights in the city. Uh, he was mad and he was evil and he persecuted Christians. All of the Christian leaders we see in the Bible, just about every single one was put in prison by the Romans. 
Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 says that they were put in jail. They had all their possessions taken away. They were made the pariahs of society. They were treated unfairly. They were not allowed to do business or to thrive. They were treated as criminals. These Christians were persecuted by the Roman rulers. And yet, Jesus never said, try and overthrow the Romans. Paul never said, try and overthrow the Romans. Peter never said, try and overthrow the Romans. They said, God has put these people in place. Um, but let me just, let me read that passage. There, there is a passage in 1 Peter where Peter says it. Let me read his passage first. He says, therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors, as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. It's so that we are a witness and we bring about this peace where the gospel can flourish. As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God. He's saying you're actually free from these authorities. You don't have to obey them because you obey God, but you choose to obey them because you're a servant of God. And he says, obey them and we are free, but we don't use it as a cloak for evil or for vice. We obey the rules of the government. We are respectful. We bring about peace. And it's a witness to those around us. And he closes by saying, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Honor, in other words, speak well of the king. That was Peter's instruction about these Romans who, who killed him. The Romans, Nero killed Peter because he was a Christian. And Peter said, honor them. And now this famous passage in Romans 13. Let me just read it to you. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. That makes it sound like God has chosen every leader, every government official. God is involved and he's overriding democracy. But actually, that phrase... The authorities that exist are appointed by God is in the perfect tense. And in the Greek, the perfect tense means it was established once for all, finished long ago. Do you remember when Jesus was on the cross and he shouted, it is finished, meaning I've paid the price for all humanity once and for all. That's the perfect tense. And that's what it says. The authorities that exist are appointed by God, meaning the positions, authority itself, the idea and the positions have been settled once for all, appointed by God. But there are times out of Israel's kings, 33 were bad. There are many times in the Bible where things happen that God is not happy with. God allows humans to vote in who they want. And the authorities as positions are appointed by God, but the people can be bad. Listen to what K.S. West's translation of this little phrase says, the existing authorities stand permanently ordained by God. Perfect tense. But now what if they're bad authorities as Paul and Peter and all the Bible characters had to endure? What if they're bad? What do we do with those? Well, we obey unless they're telling us to do something that is against God's word or our conscience, in which case we're willing to take the penalty for it. You say, is that all? Do we just put up with it? Well, 
Praise the Lord, we live in a democratic society where we can object, we can vote, we can lobby, we can try and change policy. And you know, most of the great advances in civilization, education, universities, the end of child labor, the end of slavery, the end of abortion, uh, women's rights, there's so many things that Christians were largely responsible for changing society for good. And if Christians hadn't, use their democratic rights and abilities, society would be worse. So we can change things. But we read earlier, we pray, we pray, we pray. We pray for quiet, peaceable lives that we may live in reverence and godliness so that all men might hear the gospel and hopefully be saved. This passage in Romans goes on to say in verse 4, For he... The leader, the authority, is God's minister to you for good. And now we see God's plan and desire is that authority is set up, yes, so there's order and peace and so that his gospel can spread, but so that he can pour out blessing. God's plan for authority is to be a channel for his blessing, for his order, for his love, for his peace to flow. Are you a good leader? You know, God wants good leaders. He wants Christians in positions of authority. And we should say, Lord, make me a good leader. I don't want to shy away from leadership and always be in the background. I want to be a good leader for you. And the most important thing is God, your king. Is God your leader, your king? He is the king of the universe, but he requires you to say, yes, Lord, I give you my heart. I submit to you. Pray this prayer if you want to make him your king today. Lord Jesus. Thank you for coming to earth, showing me what a, a king should really be like. Thank you for laying down your life and dying for me. Lord, I have sinned and I receive and accept and thank you for your payment and for your forgiveness of my sins. I give my life to you. I want to serve you as my king and I want to influence the world for your kingdom and for your kingship. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let us know if you prayed that prayer, leadinglightsnetwork.com. We love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.